0: You're listening to On the Road, Our Way, the archive of the podcast formerly known as Women on the Road from 2017 to 2020. Hosted and produced by Laura Borshevsky and a production of Ravel Media. This episode of Women on the Road is brought to you by Benchmark Maps. What holds more potential than a road atlas spread out in front of you? The end of the year is a great time to reflect on where we've been and where we're going. Start planning your next adventures with Benchmark Maps. They make detailed road and recreation atlases for each of the western states, including Alaska. And they're field checked for accuracy, as they have been for the last 23 years. So if you have your site set on a road in the California High Sierra, you can have confidence that you'll get there, because Benchmark Maps has been there too. Learn more and get to planning by heading to www.benchmarkmaps.com and use coupon code WOMENONTHEROAD for 20% off your order.
1: Here's the deal, you can't be inauthentic to van life because your narrative is your narrative and your narrative alone. I have to city dwell. I have to be somewhere three times a week and that
0: makes me no more or less authentic to living in a van. I'm Laura Hughes, and you're listening to the She Explores podcast series, Women on the Road, a podcast to bring you closer to some of the honest experiences that life on the road has to offer from the perspective of women who've lived it firsthand. You were just listening to the voice of Rachel Fairchild, a full time nurse and frequent van dweller based out of Colorado. As listeners and members of this community, it's clear to me that one strong tie between the many varied ways we all travel is in a sense of independence and figuring things out with limited outside resources. No matter how, how often, where you go, or who you travel with, there's a certain sense of self reliance that everyone who hits the road or lives in a camper needs to take in order to be successful. But as you'll hear in this episode, there's also a great power in learning to accept care from others, be it directly or indirectly, ongoing, or in one passing moment. Because being on the road, or supporting those who are, also means being a part of a community. And our strength is truly in how we care for one another. As a nurse, Rachel studied and practiced the art of giving care for quite a while now. But she just recently started to appreciate what it takes to receive it from others. I called Rachel one afternoon while she was helping a friend out with a van conversion, she stepped outside to talk with me and started things off by telling me a bit about the vintage van she lives in.
1: Her name is Fran the Van. <laughs> She's a 1980 E350 Ford High Top. I bought Fran last summer. I was like looking for an alternative living situation. I had, I think, as the beginning of a lot of solo female van lifers stories, unfortunately, is getting out of a relationship or a bad living situation I was looking for a new place to live I kind of wanted to change and I have a hundred pound lab Great Dane mix named Bella and I was having a hard time figuring out where I was going to live with Bella so I was looking online on a whim looking at vans and RVs and Fran became available in Colorado Springs like five miles from the place I was staying at. I bought her with an original build inside of her, but it was the original 1980 build that had like no insulation and like a tiny little kitchen and a full fiberglass stand up shower and like a jackknife couch that flipped down into like a twin slash double bed. But I recently gutted her. And so now she kind of just looks like a schoolie inside. It's very open. It's all white on the interior and it kind of is like the Pinterest nursery-slash-dorm room of my dreams, and I'm just okay with that. It's fine. I just roll with it.
0: Now, jokes aside, there's a particular reason why Rachel wanted the inside of her van to feel comfortable. It's because she spends a good deal of time stealth camping in urban areas.
1: I'm closed up in here being a city dweller three, four days a week, where I've got all my blackout panels and, like, I'm in full stealth mode. And so I needed a build that would not make me feel like I was in a van. I was just had my friend over last night and we made fajitas and watched movies, like until she went to bed in her van. And it was crazy because we were just sitting where we were parked and we just sat there for a second. We're like, wow, we're parked outside this place right now, but it feels like we're just in your apartment.
0: Can you tell me a little bit more about? where it is that you stay because you said that you're an urban dweller and a lot of times you're in the city so what does that look like for you
1: because i am a nurse a full-time regular nurse i am obligated to being at my hospital at least three nights a week for work that is really nice because that means i never have to leave my dog alone during the day for either like cold or heat purposes. So I work three nights a week. My dog, Bella, stays in the van. My facility is extremely kind and lets me kind of just putz around the parking lot for a couple days, the days I work. In the days I am not at work, I'm either out dispersed camping, like somewhere in the Colorado Front Range, or I've done a couple trips to New Mexico and Utah, but I recently had Fran's engine rebuilt, so I'm still a little intimidated about going a little too far from home. So I'd say three to four days a week I am in the city full time. And that means sleeping at night in the city in I think what most Instagram van lifers worst nightmare, like their nights where they have to be like in town and not disperse camp on B L M land where they don't have to worry about someone bothering them necessarily.
0: It's interesting that you say it's a van lifer's worst nightmare because I wonder if it actually is. Like we see these images online of people traveling around to beautiful back roads. And I mean, it is great to camp out on the back roads and it can be really beautiful, but it can also be just as uncomfortable as camping in the city sometimes, depending on where you are. And yeah, I guess I just wonder if that's actually a myth that we've created for ourselves or not.
1: Yeah, I just think the idea, people get very frightened about the idea of being bothered or like, what if a policeman comes up or just that or the other? I try and be smart about where I park. I think it's very easy to be an urban dweller. I mean, I belong to a small community right now where, I mean, there are six of us vans all parked together, like at a location in the city. And it was amazing because we all just kind of look out for each other. So it's pretty safe. But I always say to people when they get frightened about being bothered is, what's the worst that can happen to you? You apologize and you move. You're not going to jail. You're not going to get arrested. It's just part of our lifestyle. And so what if someone comes and knocks on your door? I'm sorry. Okay, I'll move. That's the best part. You just turn the key and drive away.
0: How does that work to have six vans together, I guess? Does that raise suspicion or make it harder for you to park in one place for a while? And how do you even find people that you're going to have a little community with if you're going to do urban dwelling like that? I've never heard of that before, and I just am kind of fascinated now that you mentioned it.
1: This was not even a thing I realized when I first got into van life. And when I started realizing, okay, I am going to need to be around the city What does that mean for me? Do I need to get a campsite three days a week or do I need to pay for somewhere? Do I need to live in a mobile home community like where I can pay for a pad? And it's quite interesting. So I found that most major cities have these little pockets of communities of nomads whether it be people that sleep in just their four-door sedans, people who are RVers. And there have just been some places where the community has tolerated van life in some ways, but there are some really beautiful communities here, like in the greater Denver area, where the outside community around them have really embraced and been okay with the idea of these nomads living in their vehicles. I have found it's safer all around because People in vans are very observant, especially at night, because we want to know what's going on around us. So even at my facility that I park at for work, they were doing construction, and some people tried to get into their little construction area at the end of the parking lot, and I called the foreman in the middle of the night and was like, hey, these guys are trying to break in. And in turn, that foreman now makes rounds on my van when he sees it parked because he knows I'm probably in there sleeping for the day or working. And he will make a round for me, make a lap, make sure no one's messing with my vehicle, make sure no one's bothering me, looking out for me. I have found that one of the top three things I've learned from van life is learning how to receive care and concern and friendship from other people that have no reason to be my friend except for they're a good person.
0: That makes total sense. Um, It is a really hugely community-based culture, even people who don't live in vans, you know, like you were saying with this foreman, you start thinking about things with a community mindset in ways that you wouldn't before.
1: Your community becomes your family, and as someone, it's always been very hard for me to accept help or think that I'm someone who's, like, worthy to accept help. And these are, like, good tears. Van life has taught me, like... I'm a part of this community, too. I'm a person, and I don't have to give someone something for them to give me something in return. Maybe they just want to be nice and help me or give to me. And it's been powerful as a young woman to learn to accept that from other people. And it's crazy that, like, moving into a van did that for me.
0: And you are super independent. Like, you've been gutting and renovating Fran pretty much single-handedly too so I mean you've got a lot of power behind you and it's just really amazing to hear your thoughts on how community seeps into your life through living on the road and living in this van.
1: Yeah and you made a really interesting post on your personal social media a couple weeks ago about even when you do things by yourself it's it's never really by yourself you know whether you use resources or you called someone or I found that I had a lot of the things I needed to build the van, but a lot of things went right outside of the four walls of the van for me to be able to gut, you know, the van. And I worked out a deal with my old rental in Colorado Springs, where if I paid utilities, they let me build out the van in the driveway. So not everyone has that opportunity. And so now I'm working on my friend's van and we're getting a kitchen installed for her because she doesn't have a driveway in Colorado Springs with a workshop to work at. And I'm trying to now, take the things that were gifted to me by like those around me in the universe and karma on so someone else can live their dream in the way that they can make it work which right now is um probably in the parking lot of a major box store and that's fine (laughs)
0: I've often joked as I've been rolling by Home Depot's working on my own van. I'm like, yeah, I could probably just park there and work on it and like just sleep if I need to. But I haven't yet. And I wondered if there was someone who'd done that. And so it's actually so great to hear that that's happening with your friend and in your life right now. Yeah. And then you don't even have to waste
1: the time like I did. I drove back and forth to Home Depot three times like a day during my build. We should just stay in the parking lot (laughs) and we can just walk back in.
0: Yeah, rule number one of van building is that you're going to go to Home Depot at least 100,000 times to get one screw. And everyone will eventually be invested in whatever your project you're doing and want to hear everything about
1: it. And by the end of it, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Okay, Janice, I'm done. I'm done talking about the van.
0: Something that I'm really excited to chat with you about is your work and how that ties into your life as a whole because obviously a lot of the reason that you're spending time in the city is because of your work and being a nurse is a huge commitment and it's a life-changing career. And so what does your job look like?
1: So right now I am working on an oncology unit, which is a cancer unit. If you had told me in nursing school that I was gonna work in an oncology unit, I would have probably said something not appropriate for air right now. Um, (laughs) uh, My big dream is eventually I want to get my flight for life. I had originally actually accepted a job in the emergency department in Colorado Springs. And when I bought the van, I realized that life had different plans for me and decided to turn that job down and head for a job in Denver. So, I joke to everyone, you know, my commute is five minutes long after report, so it's pretty easy to come in and out of work. But being a nurse is very exhausting. I have some colleagues that I just admire for their ability to come in every day and really just be in great form every day. And one of the things that I have struggled with is I'll get frustrated easily or If I'm really tired, you don't ever want that to affect your patients. When you walk in the door, as far as you're concerned, this person is having the worst day of their life. And for the next 12 hours, it is your job to make them feel less like it is the worst day of their life. And one of the great things about living in the van in like a sick, twisted way is you can't sit in a van grumpy. You can't sit in a van upset it's different. You can't just veg out on your couch with your dog and your big schmoofy blanket and Netflix and chill with a glass of wine. Everything is kind of amplified, I feel like, when you live in a small space like this, even your emotions and your feelings, and it really has challenged me when I come home. Why do I feel this way? Why am I so upset? What about this patient is making me more sad than other patients? Why did I get frustrated when this patient said this to me, et cetera? And it's really helped me be a more compassionate and better nurse and reflect a lot more on myself when I leave my job so that I can come back with a better game face than I had the day before.
0: Well, and I feel like that's such an unexpected tie-in to how living in a van impacts your career, but it sounds like there's actually a lot of overlap where because you live in this van, you're better able to serve people.
1: Yeah, and it really makes you just focus on the important things. I come home and I wash my own dishes and, you know, I have a bed to sleep in and I can take my clothing on and off with my own two arms. And I come home to this van and I think I had the means in my life and I had the ability and I had the health to build this around me. And it really makes me compassionate towards my patients because sometimes it's not even their illness. It's their situation that they came from. You know, it's a situation they're going back to. It's not always just about acutely what's wrong with them right now. It's, it's hard to treat a grandma with pneumonia when you know, they're going back to this place that let them get pneumonia because they didn't take care of them. And so it really makes me appreciate my ability to just have two legs to walk on and two arms to brush my hair with. And, I can wake up in the morning, I can cook my own breakfast, and, you know, I don't have chronic pain, I am not going to go get an infusion later today, I'm not checking in for chemo tomorrow, and I just think it has done nothing but benefited me and my perspective like as a nurse.
0: We'll hear more from Rachel after this. Outdoor Voices makes high-quality, active apparel to take you from your time outside to your everyday life seamlessly. They believe that harder, faster, stronger is not necessarily always better, so they design gear for doing things, being active, and integrating fun into day-to-day movement. Outdoor Voices encourages living happier, healthier, more sustainable lives through daily exercise of any form, whether you're on a long walk with a friend, taking a hike or a trail run, or doing some yoga after a long day of travel. Each piece is engineered for performance and designed for having fun, with fabric for every single type of activity like their signature textured compression fabric, which provides the support your body needs, or their freeform fabric, a cozy and soft material that's perfect for stretching out in. I recently got to try out Outdoor Voice's Terranet Leggings and Ovi Fleece Half Zip, which come in fun colors and textures. It's no secret that I don't like to be cold, and in my opinion, there are a few things tougher than motivating yourself to hop into the driver's seat of a chilly car and waiting for things to warm up. But honestly, Outdoor Voice's comfy winter layers get me excited to greet the crisp Bear, which is great for my travel style. Because when I'm on the move, I like to be prepared to say yes to any opportunity to move my body, cold or not. So it's important to me that what I'm wearing keeps me doing things. For 20% off your first order of $100 or more, visit OutdoorVoices.com W-O-T-R and enter promo code W-O-T-R at checkout. That's OutdoorVoices.com W-O-T-R and get 20% off your first order of $100 or more by using code W-O-T-R at checkout.
1: I have this Bukowski quote I was going to write down in exact words to tell you if you ask me this question, but there's this quote by Charles Bukowski and he says, people drain me and I get away to refill. And I feel like that is just the perfect way to put it. We're back with Rachel.
0: And the question I just asked her was around her own personal balance of urban and outdoors time, how it feels to get into the wilderness after spending days camping out in the city. I love city
1: dwelling. It's fun. It's like Every day is an adventure. My mind is always thinking of where am I going to stay or what am I going to do today, but in a good way, in a purposeful way. That's part of the reason I like city dwelling, but it is very nice (laughs) to drive up to BLM land and to take out all my blackout panels and to put my hammock up and to let my dog run around. And I just kind of air everything out. And my whole back storage garage is basically boxes of stuff I only use when I get to disperse camp but I have a few spots that I really like to go to in the front range and I have a personal GPS and basically I just drive out to a dispersed campsite. I basically ping drop myself and text it to any of my friends that I want to know are there. And my friends will just show up in their SUVs and we'll just disperse camp for the weekend, car camp, go on a hike. I think it's a perfect balance. I get out with Fran dispersed camping about every other weekend. And it's the perfect balance for me to just get out of the city and unwind. I cheat a little bit and I do keep a four by four SUV at my hospital that I work at just for emergencies. And there are some trips that Fran just um, we just don't push the old gal that hard.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just don't want to test it.
1: No. Well, and I do a lot of backcountry hiking where even if I had the greatest 4x4 sprinter, I wanted to keep some kind of all-wheel drive vehicle, even if I leave it in storage part-time, for those trips where that's what I need to get to the trailhead.
0: Well, and even just for like, if you have breakdowns or like you said, for emergencies, but I like the idea of having something that has a little bit more clearance so that you can, you don't have to think twice about whether you're going to go to that trailhead or go hit up that, you know, one spot that you really want to see or not.
1: Right. And it's kind of funny because at first I thought I was being inauthentic to van life. Like, oh, oh, you have a van, but you also have this SUV that you drive around everywhere that gets like 25 or 26 to the gallon. But Here's the deal. You can't be inauthentic to van life because your narrative is your narrative and your narrative alone. I have to city dwell. I have to be somewhere three times a week. So why am I faulting myself for keeping an SUV in storage? You know, that's what I want. And that makes me no more or less authentic to living in a van
0: I'm so glad you said that because I was going to bring that up if you didn't, that I think there are certain prescribed ways we've been seeing the van life movement take place, especially online. But at the end of the day, what it's been doing is filling a lot of us with a sense of worthiness or measuring against what we see and saying, am I doing it right or not? And to your point, You're doing it right. Anyone else who's out there on the road, part time, full time, living in the city, living outdoors, doesn't matter what type of vehicle you have. Like, if you're out there in some way, then you're doing it. You're doing it. Just live your truth. That's what I tell people. Just live your
1: truth to the best of your abilities. And social media has, you know, afforded me so much help, so much support as we speak. My friend Allie, her van is parked right next to mine. I'm helping her build her van out right now, and she has all these amazing – they're her ideas. I'm just helping her, you know, put them in motion. I met her because she found me on social media. And because of that, we now are climbing together – we try and park together most nights just for safety purpose. You know, why not? Why not have someone that you can be right next to if there's an emergency? Now we have a second vehicle. And because of that, I I have met like a little partner in crime here in the city. But at the same time, we were discussing that it's so easy to compare yourself to people on social media. It's so easy to see these beautiful, built out, brand new, like sprinters and pro masters with professional cabinetry and like on instagram it's like one couple but really it's five dudes with 800 ryobi tools all coming together to like build it all you know and they've all been building cabinets since they were 14 (laughs) you know but you don't see all that behind the lens and it's so easy to compare yourself and well i'm not laying on my bed with my feet in the air and a sunset over the ocean out my back door so why even bother why even try The community is just so diverse. And then we haven't even talked about all the women who've been living in their RVs forever since Instagram was even cool. So there's a whole community of like retired women who go to the rubber tramp rendezvous in Arizona and they have a women's RTR. And all these women have been doing this for years before all of us cool kids even became around.
0: Rachel probably didn't know this one comment would launch an entire conversation around women traveling in their 50s and above, but it certainly did. The stories and experiences from women of all ages hitting the road are inspiring, but especially those who took on the challenge of making it happen and creating community along the way, before the rise of social media and the multitude of blog resources we see nowadays. Rachel went on to explain that the founder of Rubber Tramp Rendezvous, a growing annual in-person event, is Bob Wells, who initially founded a useful online resource called CheapRVLiving.com. Those who lean more on social media and are familiar with the van lifestyle of road travel might not know why CheapRVLiving is a good resource or why the RV community in general would be one to look to when there are so many other options available. But Rachel had some compelling thoughts on that.
1: He has been providing the RV community with tips, tricks, tutorials, I mean, everything you can imagine into making it work into living in an RV. And I turned to that community, specifically the women's RV community, more than the van community because I felt like I didn't have the means to go out and buy all these brand new things. And I didn't have a full solar setup and all this stuff. I was trying to make it work as janky or as professional as I could. And that whole community is, is much less centered around aesthetics and much more centered around make it work. And it's a lot of women who have maybe lost their husbands and their kids have moved away and they, just up and sell their whole home and buy a truck and a fifth wheel at 70 years old and do it, drive around the country, get a little chihuahua. And those women have been so incredible because they don't judge. They don't tell you the most expensive way to do it. You can take a picture of your dirty floor and sand it and post it to a Facebook group. And you have 50 comments saying, good job. That was hard work. That was a lot of elbow grease. Like, you can do it. That floor looks beautiful. It's just a really beautiful community. And so RTR is called the Rubber Tramp Rendezvous. They've been doing it for years and years and years. It's kind of like the Burning Man of RV people. And it's down in Courtside, Arizona on BLM land. And literally thousands of nomads from every corner of the U.S. show up. And a week before or sometime before that, they have a women's RTR, which is a giant women's-only nomad gathering down in Arizona on BLM land. And women will carpool all the way from Maine and Pennsylvania. They'll pick up RVs along the way, and you'll see trains of 30 or 40 women driving RVs down the highway going to Arizona.
0: That sounds amazing.
1: Most people have never heard of that community because it's not an Instagram aesthetic. It's a community that's just about, it doesn't matter if you've got a $20 trailer or a $20,000 trailer. You're living in it, and you're making it work, and they will do everything to help you make it work with the means that you have.
0: That's the spirit. I just think that's so inspiring.
1: It really has, and I hope that eventually maybe those communities can overlap a little bit more or share a little bit of tips and tricks, because those RV people, man, they know some stuff.
0: It was clear to me from our call that Rachel knows some stuff too, especially when it comes to stealth camping. So I asked her if she'd be willing to share some insights on safety and best practices when it comes to camping overnight in urban areas
1: number one is just be smart be aware of your surroundings if you were to be a person in a home and look out the curtain and see your vehicle on the street would they be alarmed if it's the case don't park there i always say that if you're ever frightened or you don't feel comfortable park in plain sight park somewhere in a grocery store parking lot that allows overnight parking right under the street light A full blackout panels system I think is pretty imperative to me being allowed to stealth camp. I can have all the lights on in my van and when you walk around from the outside of it there's not a speck of light that you could see coming through. But I think mostly just be aware of your surroundings. Don't be afraid. And ask yourself if something does happen, what am I going to do? So I always make sure like when I don't have my dog Bella with me like I have a little noise making bullhorn it makes me feel better because if I ever felt like someone was trying to come into my van, I just toot this little bullhorn and nine out of 10 people are going to run very far away. Okay. From that noise. Right. So just be aware of what you're doing and know how to get out of there. Know where you are, like be aware, but don't make yourself paranoid. And there are plenty of places, you know, if you're trying to get into stealth city dwelling park in Walmart for the first few nights, get a couple Walmarts and rotate around. For the first three months that I lived in the city, I had three spots. I had three spots, that I knew no one would bother me. Everyone knew that I was there and no one was going to be upset and the police were fine with it. And I just rotated through those three spots. Don't stay anywhere too long. Don't be too obvious. I have a sliding door that's very, very loud. So when I'm parked somewhere for the night, I only go out of my driver's door. So it appears as if, have someone to look over, oh, did, was she just pulling up? Did I miss it? Instead of this big, huge, like, every time I get in and out of the vehicle. But it's really not as hard as you think. And if you don't feel good about it, move. I've literally never had an issue, though, ever. I mean, I had someone call the police once when I was parked at the very far end of my hospital parking lot because they just thought I looked suspicious. And Van, I mean, Fran... Looks super suspicious, so I wasn't offended at all. (laughs) I just showed him my badge and was like, "Yeah, I'm sleeping."
0: He said, "Okay." Yeah, I mean, I think you're right that there are a lot of ways to just like be considerate to your surroundings and also make yourself feel safe, and you can find that balance in a lot more places than you think.
1: Exactly, and don't be offended. Think about if you owned a home, if you had children in that home. You looked out the window, and I saw this old beige van. I would be concerned. I'm not offended that you're concerned. I'm happy that you are looking out for your other community members. Honestly, that's the attitude I try and take it. Thank you for being suspicious, because what if I was someone who was didn't have good intentions? So I, I don't get offended when people want to call the cops or something like that, because I just like to think that they're trying to protect their community, too.
0: Before letting Rachel get back to the hardware store and helping out her friend, I thought she might have some final thoughts for those out there who are getting ready to hit the road or who are thinking about doing so someday. For Rachel, it all came down to the care you have for your own journey and caring a little less about what you see others doing. Stop looking out towards other people
1: and look at yourself and what can you do and what are your means and how can you make it work? Because you can make it work with anything. Um, Today, we are building a kitchen in my friend Allie's van. And instead of building it from scratch, we realized that those awesome little rolling kitchen islands are the perfect pre-built dimensions for her van. And she'll have this beautiful kitchen piece. And we don't have to saw and cut and measure because we're not in a driveway with a lot of space right now. We could do that if we were down in Colorado Springs back in my workshop and my driveway with all my tools, but we're not. And that's okay. So we're getting the job done in the budget that she has and the means that we have to do it. And there's no wrong or right way to do it. Honestly, buy a van, put some curtains up. We built a bed last week. It cost 40 bucks for the wood. I had Home Depot pre-cut everything. So when we got back to my place, we didn't even have to do any cutting. We just screwed it all together. Boom, 40 bucks later, hang some curtains up, get yourself a cooler, get yourself a stove. Boom, you're set for six months. You can make it work. But don't ever feel inadequate. Don't ever feel like you have to have your whole build done up front to be able to enjoy it, to be able to live out of it. Don't ever feel like because you can't, By a brand new sprinter, that you are not living an authentic van life. Your narrative is whatever you want to write it to be. Do things within your means and don't ever judge yourself or feel bad about what your skills and capabilities are. But don't ever use, like, lack of construction knowledge or lack of money as a reason to not try this life if that's what your heart is calling you to. Because, I mean, For 500 bucks, you can be set to go on the road for for six months. Honestly, water jugs, a stove, a cooler, and a bed, and some curtains, maybe a Mr. Buddy heater if you go somewhere cold. Boom. You're done. The world awaits.
0: Thanks so much to Rachel Fairchild for taking the time to chat with me and share your thoughts and insights. If you want to follow along on Rachel's adventures, and I highly recommend doing so, you can find her on Instagram at thedirtbagnurse, with underscores between each word. We'll have a link in our show notes to make it easy to find. Thanks also to our sponsors, Benchmark Maps and Outdoor Voices. We'll see you next week. But in the meantime, make sure to find us on social media. You can find us on Instagram at Women on the Road and on Facebook, including our Facebook group for community questions, stories, and support by searching for Women on the Road Podcast. Also, if you want to support the show, we'd love for you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. You could also share this episode with a friend, especially someone who does a lot of urban camping, maybe even a family member who's worried about your urban camping. Lastly, if you like stories of adventurous women, chances are you'll like our sister podcast, She Explores. It's a podcast about women who are inspired by time spent outside. Winter is the perfect time of year to catch up on podcasts or start a new series, and I couldn't recommend this one more. You can find the She Explores podcast by visiting www.she-explores.com podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or really wherever podcasts are found. She Explores is also now a book written by Gail Straub, which we're incredibly excited about. To find out more and to pre-order yours today, visit www.she-explores.com book. Music is by Josh Woodward. Women on the Road is edited in partnership with Gail Straub and produced by she explores These are not good tips at all Laura don't don't add this just kidding <laughs>